Thanks for tuning in to the All Things Melanin Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like this week's episode, and share with a friend. Now let's get into this week's episode. Hi, I'm Shelby. And I'm Erica. And welcome to the All Things Melanin Podcast, where your certified hype women are getting you through the week. Be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an update. Erica. Hey, girl. What's good? What's popping? What's happening? How you feeling? Girl, I can say that I feel great. I feel so relaxed, so refreshed coming back from the beach with you. We had so much fun. You guys, we went to West Palm Beach, Florida. And it was like its own little island, it seemed like, right? And we right. just had a good time. We laid on the beach. We drank a little something. We <laughs> ate good. So I feel like that was needed and it came at the right time. Time. But now I'm back to the real world. But you know, it's always needed. I just feel really, really good. How you feeling? I feel good. I feel like that was my first vacation since like November 2019. So I was super excited. We got off to a little bit of a rough start, you guys. My flight got delayed. I wasn't able to get there when Erica got there. Like it was a thing. I almost, and then the next day, I almost missed my flight. Like I was running for my <laughs> life through the airport. Like, Girl, I have not ran like that since I was in high school running track. I was out of breath. I was thirsty. I was dehydrated, girl. I had to take that mask off for a second. <laughs> I was like, man, like I was like the second to last person to board. And you know, like when you see people running through the airport, like knocking people over, like that's rude, girl. That was me. Get the get out of my way. <laughs> I'm coming because I had like I had ten minutes to get off. I had like fifteen minutes to get off my connecting flight to make it to my next flight like lord when that happened i was like okay god are we not supposed to go on this uh trip because i don't understand what's happening but no it was a lot of fun i've never been to west palm beach like erica said we had a great time um hotel was cool i feel like when we were there i don't feel like people were used to seeing like young black girls there by themselves that were young Mm -hmm. um so i feel like we got a lot of stairs in that case but other than that like the food was good like Erica said, we had our own private beach and everybody was really kind and really nice, really sweet. Mm-hmm. We really didn't, we didn't, I don't remember encountering anybody that was just mean or negative or anything, um, but we had a good time right. and I'm literally already planning me and Erica's next vacation. She don't know it yet, but listen, <laughs> it's already being planned. Girl, what, speaking of like when you felt like we well, we both felt like uh, they weren't used to seeing black girls, and it was nice seeing like black men be like so welcoming and just nice. And right. I was like, these niggas in Texas, they don't know what they got at home. Like we don't get this kind of treatment in Texas. <laughs> we really don't. It was just like they were like so excited and happy to see us, and it was just like. It was weird. Like I had, so for instance, I went to the bathroom uh, when we were at the beach and I came back and there were these two black guys there. They worked at the hotel and they were like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I was like, in my head, I was like, I don't know why I wouldn't be okay. And then I got two more feet. The other black guy was like, are you okay? And I was like, and they were just like staring <laughs> at me and they were staring at Eric and I was like, and they were cute, but I was like. I was like, why are y'all staring? But I realized that they just weren't used to seeing us because everybody else on the beach was white or they were families. Um, 
and stuff like that. But that just goes to show you that like, that's why I think it's so important to like, you know, get out and travel and try new places. Because when we when we went to West Palm Beach, I'm not going to lie, I was expecting somebody to be rude. But it's probably one of the places, few places I've been that like, as far as like how people have treated us, we had zero problems. Like zip, zero, not. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but, we definitely go back again. And I recommend it. <laughs> oh, yeah. But speaking of problems, girl, I got to ask you something. So I don't know if you saw oh, this, Lord. but allegedly, I'm going to put the allegedly out there. Chris, not Chris, but Kim Kardashian hired a private detective to investigate Carmelo Anthony. So allegedly, Carl Carmelo been out here, mm-hmm. you know, just slanging unprotected, okay? And he has allegedly mm-hmm. fathered two twins um, by this girl. And, you know, I heard he has another baby, but I don't know. Anyway, the girl was putting, you know, text messages and different things like that up. And she said that allegedly um, Kim Kardashian hired somebody to check her out or to look into her. And I've heard that they've had problems for years, but I heard that she finally has filed for divorce. Good for her because she is fine and she has so much going for herself. Um, But when I read that, I was just kind of like, okay, here's the question for him. Do you think that there is anything wrong with hiring a private detective? If she did or if she didn't, but if she did, do you think there's anything wrong with Kim hiring a private detective on behalf of um, Lala or just Lala. hiring one? Yeah, or hiring one on behalf of Lala or just to see what's going on? Like, what do you think about it? Yeah, I have a problem with that. Like, when you're. When I'm just sitting here thinking about it, I'm like, that's kind of weird. Because I'm like, did Lala ask him to do this? Like, this is really, I know that they're the best of friends, but it's like, that's not really her place to do that. And then secondly, why are we investigating the woman? Obviously, the investigator need to be following around slanging um, Carmelo Anthony. You know what I mean? Like, why are we following the woman around? Like, what is that going to prove? You know, all she need to prove is having a DNA test and boom. We already know. So I think it's kind of weird. I feel like if it was, if I was Lala, I would be like, girl, I don't need you to be all doing all that unless I asked her to do it because I didn't want it to come for me or something like that. But I just feel like that's just a little weird. I don't like when women try to go after the other woman instead of their husband because Carmelo's the one that had a commitment to Lala, not this other girl and the other girls he's not impregnated. And, you know, I just feel like it wasn't Kim's place. That just is very weird to me. What yeah. do you think? I can see that. Um, I I see both. So I think that I think that it is a little odd that Kim hired the private investigator to look out for for to look out for the girl. But if I were Kim and I were her place, I would have guessed I would have investigated both of them. And let me tell you why. Because I need to see if their stories add up and I need to see what's popping and what's going on. Um, I think that it's weird that this got out. <laughs> but I don't mm-hmm. this is, I think it's weird that it's got out. But, you know, I usually don't side with Kim. But if she did this, I don't I don't think that there's anything wrong with this because from what we know, she didn't like go after her or say anything negative. She was just collecting information. And I feel like if she was just collecting information and, you know, not harming her or doing anything ill mal or ill mannered to her, 
then in my eyes, for me personally, I don't see anything wrong with it. But I think it's when you try to ruin people's lives that I have an issue with it. And I think it's odd because if you're going to be mad at anybody or you're going to go after anyone with malice, I think that it should be the dude. Because to your point, he made the commitment to you. But I just think like, for me, I would want answers. And for me, having answers is seeing if both sides of these stories add up. So I don't know. I guess for me, I'm a little on the fence in both of them. I just think, like I said, as long as she didn't go after her and try to ruin her life, you know what I mean? But if she was just gathering information, then yeah. Yeah, I I think the most important thing about this is that Lala, you know, was like, I'm done, done. Because like you said, she is successful. She been doing her own thing, which is one of the things that I really liked about her. Like, even though Carmelo was, well, still is, is um, basketball star. It's like she still was making her own career and name for herself. She wasn't just necessarily riding off of him the whole time. Like, she did have her own stuff going on. And she still right. does. And she's gorgeous. So, it's like, that's the most important thing. Like, she did what she needed to do, regardless of what she found in the in, – whatever the private investigator found that Lala probably already knew because women are private investigators them damn selves. So it's like, I'm just glad that she, you know, did what she needed to do to move on um, from a man that's just repeatedly disrespecting you over and over. So I agree. Oh, speaking of that, I got one more thing, friend. Did you hear the, okay. So I don't know if you saw, so I did not watch the full reunion, but you know, keeping up with the Kardashians came to an end, right? And just as a disclaimer, mm-hmm. I'm I'm neutral on the Kardashians. Like, I don't love them, but I don't dislike them. It's like ground zero with me. And so I saw a clip where they asked her about, they were asking her about Tristan Thomas, who I think he's personally trash, but that's my opinion. And they were asking her about, has she forgiven Jordan Woods? I don't know if you saw it, but she basically was just saying that she's forgiven both of them. She hasn't received a public apology for Jordan. And um, just to give you the synopsis, friend, people drug her on Twitter for that because... Tristan's still a dog. But anyway, she went on to say, Chloe went on to say that she wants to have more children by Tristan. Um, you know, that they're working on their family and all this good stuff. Girl, not even a day later, reports have already come out that she has broken up with him and left him again because he went to a party that was hosted either, I can't remember, don't quote me, Drake or Chris Brown. One of the two. They were there. And he was flirting with these girls and he went in the room with these girls and she found out and she left him because she can't trust him. So did you hear about that, friend? Girl, no, but I'm not surprised. As you're telling me, I'm literally rolling my eyes because I'm not surprised. I'm with you. He is trash. The T in Tristan stands for trash. He's not (laughs) a good man. Like, I don't understand. Like, especially when she knew that he already had a child. It's like, come on, girl. Like, he already had one, and y'all just I, that's the thing that bothers me. They both walking around in la la land, like, he don't already have a child. Like, she's so pressed to have another one with him. Like, oh, well, True needs a sibling. True got a sibling, boo. Your <laughs> man got a whole other kid, boo. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? But no, I didn't hear that, but I'm not surprised. And I think what bothered me about Chloe and the Jordan thing is I felt like again she was going after Jordan which I understand in the way of like Jordan was a close friend to the family but it was like dang girl like you really try to drag her and ruin her career but you couldn't do that and right. Jordan like literally flourished after she kind of like removed herself from the family right girl I don't know girl what you think about that 
I think exactly what you think. I think trashing Tristan. I can't even say that man. I said trashing Tristan is complete <laughs> trash. <laughs> He's complete trash. I think that he has repeatedly shown her over and over and over who he is. I think with the whole Jordan Woods situation. Another thing that we're not factoring in is when she said that he kissed her and it wasn't consensual. So that's something that everybody keeps leaving out that is very weird to me. That mm. he brace, he basically pushed up on her and you made an excuse for him, because you took up for him, you took him back in his trash ways, and he been slanging and danging all mm-hmm. over town. But you can't even—I don't really think that she's forgiven Jordan. I think that she's just talking and trying to keep face. I think that you know. I think I think I hate to say this, but I think that a lot that she's done to other people has come back because you know allegedly you know when Trina was dating French Montana, French Montana. You know, um, mm-hmm. that happened. And, you know, Kim, no, Kylie has taken Tiger and just all these different things. And I think that when you do people like that, that comes back to you tenfold. So you got to watch how you get somebody. I hate that for her. I hate that for her daughter. I think, you know, overall, I think that Chloe's probably is a cool person. But I just think that she wants this to work so much. But you can't make trash good. I don't care what you do. You can't make no. trash good. You can't make trash act right. And I think, I don't really think that Tristan likes her. I think that Tristan likes girls like Jordan Woods and his ex, Jordan Craig. But I think that he likes mm-hmm. the allure um, that come with the Kardashians. He likes the notoriety that come yeah. with them. And I think that that's what he loves and that's what he's chasing personally. Lame girl, that is just too much for me. But speaking of dating and relationships, let's just jump right into our first segment dating and relationships. So, question for you, Shelby. Where actually, I got a couple of questions. So, um, but over the past one or two years, we've kind of dipped our toes into (laughs) dating and talking, whatever that means. What have your most recent situations taught you that you're not? taking into your next relationship so basically what do you want for yourself in your next relationship you know I definitely think what I learned in my past dating in my most recent dating relationships and situations is that and I and I've told you this before I don't know if I've ever said this publicly is that I when it comes to dating I haven't really showed up as my full self so just to kind of elaborate on that, like anybody that knows me knows that I have a lot of different personalities, not in a crazy, like psychotic way, but just in a very feisty way. Like I am all over the place and I'm a lot like I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm ambitious. You know, I just have a lot going on a lot of the time. And I think that a lot of times I have dimmed down my light and dimmed down my um, accomplishments because I don't want to overwhelm the person that I'm dating, I don't want them to think I'm too cocky. I don't want them to think that I'm too full of myself. So I tend to quiet down and become a different version of myself. I think one of the things that I personally learned is that in order for me to be in a healthy relationship, that I need to show up as my full self. The same way that I show up in front of my family, the same way that I show up in front of my friends, I should be able to show up. Yeah, I'm a lot. Yeah, I come with a lot. Yeah, I have a lot of accolades, education, and you know, tangible and non-tangible things that I bring to the table. But one thing that I've realized is that if I'm going to be with somebody and spend the rest of my life with them and, you know, and in my next dating relationship, then they have to be secure enough and man enough and my person enough to know that that's just who I am. So I think that one of the 
things that my past relationship has taught me is to come as my full self and not to dim my light. Um, Another thing that I think past situations have taught me is that one thing that I've realized in this season of my life is that I'm a real lovey-dovey type of person. I'm a real romantic type of person. And I think that I have made excuses for men as to why they aren't as thoughtful as I would like them to be or, you know, don't go the extra mile. But for me, I've learned that, okay, Shelby, you give a lot of love, so you should be able to receive a lot of love. And I think it's very important, at least for me in my next relationship, for someone to love me in my love language and for someone to take the extra step and the extra care to to pay attention, you know, to be kind, to be attentive, to be all of those things. And I think the last thing that my situations have taught me is that what I want is not a lot. It's a lot for the wrong person. And that if someone doesn't meet my standards, that's okay. They're not my person. But if that's something that I'm very sure about, if that's something that I'm very passionate about, then I have to stand on what I said and stand on my standards and be willing to walk away from people that don't serve me. I think in my next relationship, what I'm looking for, obviously somebody that is a man of God, obviously somebody that is hardworking and ambitious, but I'm really looking for somebody that I can involve with, somebody that I can do life with, somebody that we choose each other over and over, but somebody that is just as equally ambitious as me or not more, somebody that's patient, somebody that's kind, somebody that allows me to be me and and is not intimidated by that. Um, I think one thing that I found is, for me, is that, you know, people always assume, you know, when you look a certain way or you have certain accolades and you have things going for yourself that it's easy for you to find somebody or meet somebody. And for some people it is. Some people, they meet somebody and it's easy. And then the rest of us got to go through the 12 disciples. I'm the rest of us, okay? And... (laughs) And, you know, I've just learned that in my next, I've just learned that that's not the case for everybody. But I think for me in my next relationship, I need to be a little bit more open and not as hard on myself as not as hard on the person. But I also need to take what they say to heart. Like if they're showing me that they're not a good person and that they're not what I need them to be, I need to believe them. If they're trying, if they doing what they said they're going to do, then I need to believe them. And I think that I just need to definitely listen to my heart and my intuition and just really go with the flow in the sense of if this is my person, they're going to show me that they're my person. Because every time they're not friend, I'm telling you, Erica knows something dramatic always happens. Like it'd be so dramatic that I can't ignore it. Like I have to confront it. I have to make the decision. So I just think for me and my next relationship, just to summarize my long about way of answering your question, friend, I think that I just really need to show up as my full self and just be confident in who I am and be confident in my abilities, my intelligence, my beauty, and everything that I bring to the table and just really and really see if I like this person. I think so many times, you know, as women, we can be so pressed to be like, are they the one? Are they the one? But do you even like this person? Are they even aligned with you? Do y'all have the same values? Do y'all want the same things? And I think I really need to pay attention more to those core things going for it and really just pray and sit on it and just 
not be so pressed to make that person the one, but just be open to see if that's who God has for me. Those are some great points, girl. Um, I felt you on all of that. (laughs) So I think for me, the most recent situations taught me that I need to keep, I need to start looking at the situation for what it is and not what I want it to be. Because when I don't look at it for what it is, I end up staying way too long in a situation that I know damn well is not good for me. And I think the reason why I stay so long is not only am I not looking at it for what I want or for what it is, I'm an overgiver in any relationship that I have, whether it is a friendship or, but especially with a relationship, I overgive. But what I need to stop doing, I promised myself that I would no longer overgive in exchange for the bare minimum, right? Like, why am I doing all of this? And I really took a lot of time to reflect on that. And I was like, I feel like I'm overgiving. It's natural for me, but then also it's almost like, me trying to, in a way, show this person, like, look how good I am for you or whatever. But that person ain't showing me that. So why am I out here putting all this effort into somebody who's not putting that same effort or more for me? So I promised myself in my next relationship to not accept that. Um, He'll have to, like, meet me where I'm at. Um, But I actually had this conversation with my dad recently, y'all. Like, actually, he was ear hustling because I was talking to my mama, but then he overheard me. (laughs) So he interjected. (laughs) But he actually has a lot of wisdom if you can get past his goofiness. But he said, um, I was referring to, like, my last serious relationship and how that family really wants me and him to be back together, period. And um, I don't want that. So because I had given that relationship so many years of my life, like I said, staying way too long. And so he was like, so I was like, dad, why do you, why do you think they are so pressed on this idea that like we should get back together? And he was like, well, people look at you as how much you have given to this relationship or to him that you're great for him. But nobody is thinking, is he great for you? Is he great for Erica? And I think that is the main thing. It's like, I never look at it like, okay, is this person good for me? I'm looking at it like, I'm good for you. This is what I'm doing for you. And so he, my dad was like, well, you just need someone that can meet you on your level and do stop lowering yourself. He told me to stop lowering yourself to meet them where they're at. Just because you're a good person, you ain't got to go two and three levels down to meet them. He was like, you need someone that is on your level or at a level that you aspire to. That's who you get with. And he was like, if you have been elevating past this relationship, past all that hurt and pain, you've been elevating. So why would you go backwards? You need someone who adds to you. And then that brought me to the point of like, we have to stop, like, especially as black women, I feel like we have to stop this narrative of, um, black women would have to suffer first before we, you know, we got to be that ride or die. We got to, we got to take all this shit before we get our happy ending with this person. And that is not true. Like if, if it ain't right, we can move on. We, we, like you said, Shelby, we out here having our accolades, building our businesses. We really are total prizes. So why we feel like we got to suffer with this, um, relationship, ride or die and doing all this just to, have our happy ending. It should not be like that. So I think all of those lessons I just said is what I'm going to keep in mind for my next relationship because I really 
want to have discernment on that. Like, I don't want to just get so excited that here's a potential and then jump right into the same mess I was doing before. But in speaking of that, so now that we've answered those questions, what are you actually manifesting in love, Fran? What would you say? You know, I'm going to have to rock with your daddy. Um, First of all, your daddy is the GOAT because (laughs) that was a whole word that I needed for my spirit. But honestly, it really is what your dad said. I am manifesting in love, you know, somebody that is godly, somebody that's a a man of God and knows the word for himself knows the word for himself and seeks him out but i'm manifesting a black man that is on my level or above me i think a lot of times i've had to i don't want to say stoop down because i don't mean it like that negatively but i'm just saying that Mm -hmm. i've had to adjust to a lower level because i haven't really dated anybody that's i feel like it's on my level mentally emotionally and physically um, I find mm-hmm. it really hard to connect mentally and emotionally with men. I'm very, um, anybody will tell you, my parents will tell you, my friends have told me, you have told me, I'm very hard on the men that I date. And I'm not mean to them, but internally, I'm a judgmental person. I'm not going to lie. I'm judgmental, okay? But I am judging you. <laughs> and I think for me, what I'm manifesting in love going forward in my next relationship, hopefully it's my mate, it's my husband. I'm manifesting somebody that is on my level mentally, emotionally, and physically. I'm manifesting someone that I don't have to stoop down to bring them up. I'm manifesting a man that is so secure in himself. I'm manifesting a love that is pure. I'm manifesting a love that is authentic, that is true, that is genuine, that is childlike, that is playful, that is romantic, that is kind, that is patient. I'm manifesting a love that makes me thankful to God that I didn't meet anybody until I met that person. I'm manifesting a love that is unlike anything that I can think, anything that I can put into words, anything that I can dream, anything that I can imagine. But more importantly, I think that I'm manifesting a love that's perfect for me, that's going to allow me to be a better woman, to be a better daughter, to be a better friend, to be a better girlfriend, fiance, wife one day, mother one day. I just want to, I want to, I'm manifesting a type of love friend that make that, that will bring tears to my eyes just from being so grateful that I get to experience that. I hope that made sense. (laughs) What about you? Yeah. It did. I could say the same for myself. I actually been thinking about like specifically like praying on this, like sitting before God and specifically praying about my spouse and whoever that is. Like, cause I don't think I've actually sat, sat down and just specifically pray for that. It'd be like part of the prayer and then I move on to something else. But I think right. that really getting with God and being like, you are my matchmaker because obviously I'm trash at it. So <laughs> you choose. And right. um, more so, um, I just need clarity in this area because it's been so long since I've been in love, you know? So it's like, I don't really know how to navigate that really. And um, I just, I feel like in manifesting love, I just feel like I'm deserving of the purest love. Like there's no malice. There's no, you just trying to get something from me. Like really a pure, honest love, like a God sent love to me. And that's really all that I, I desire, you know, at the end of the day. And like I was saying earlier, not only praying about this manifestation of love, I need to have discernment because let me tell y'all, I've had so many counterfeits 
And I had prayed, but I had so many counterfeits, I guess, to test me. And I'm like, God, how many more tests? Like you said, Shelby, how many more disciples do we got to go through before (laughs) we get to the king? Okay. And so I just really, really hope that I have discernment for that person and for that relationship. And that it's just different and that it's easiest in terms of, you know, like this is meant for to happen because I look at it so much more than just oh I'm in love I this is like your purpose partner like what are you two put together for like what is y'all's purpose just to look cute on the gram to go on a few vacations no like what are you what are you and him supposed to be doing together in this life and what is he supposed to teach you and help you do and vice versa so that's what I'm manifesting for and like I said I rebuke all counterfeits in Jesus name okay (laughs) that's all I got All right, so let's keep it moving to our journey segment. So this is when Shelby and I will discuss how our journey of building our brand, All Things Melanin, is going, some things that we've learned or tips and tricks that we want to share with you guys. So today's topic is about how to collaborate with others effectively. So Shelby, as we grow, we want to tell and share more Black stories as well as make more meaningful connections. So we've recently been incorporating more guests on our podcast lately for our Dreams of Connections segment. So let's share how we've been doing this effect uh, efficiently. So number one, um, researching guests. Like how do we even start off by doing that? I think for us, I... When I research guests, I either A, set aside a a set amount of time just to look for people, but most of the time, the guests that I bring to our meetings and I bring to our table when we discuss, like, you know, who we're going to have on are people that I just naturally follow or come across on social media. I think that that's organic. I think that that Mm -hmm. makes it easier, you know, because, you know, just to back up a little bit, like people that I personally follow on social media, I follow, I follow people that inspire me, that I admire, or that just bring me good vibes. So if I come across you and I see you on social media, and then in addition, I want to have you as a guest on our podcast, more than likely you fit into the target audience that we're talking to and that we're trying to reach. I think that one way to re- research guests is to look in your uh, directory of who you follow that's a professional or that's an expert in something that you want uh, more insight on or that you want to follow. I think that's a good way uh, to start. And then the second thing that I do, obviously, is, you know, Erica does her version of researching and then we come together and we share. Erica shares who she thinks will be good. I share who I think will be good. We both do our research and we come to the table and we say, okay, how many guests do we want to have this season? So this season we said that we want to have four. We ended up having three. Cool. So from the four and really what happened and our, how we did it last time and how we do it most time is we really just collaborate and we go through and we share, you know, why we think this person will be a good fit. And not, and I will say nine times out of 10, like if Erica wants somebody to be a guest, they're going to be a guest. If I want somebody to be a guest, they're going to be a guest. And most of the time we will kind of split it in two. So if we have four guests on the show for this season, then Erica chooses two and I choose two. And I, anytime Erica chooses somebody, I never have a problem with it because, you know, Erica and I have the same mission for our brand and I trust her to make any decision as well as I. So I think that that's how we're able to research and collaborate on who we want to have on the show. But the next step is, you know, reaching out to them. 
Erica does a really good job of that. So friends, so how do we go about, you know, reaching out to the guests and different things like that? Yeah. So I want to touch on one thing. Um, when not only researching guests that we find and that we, that could potentially be good. We also get a lot of, uh, podcast guest requests sent to us. And we definitely research those people because a lot of the times, um, people may come up to us and want to be on our show, but it doesn't necessarily fit. So I think the most important out of all this to be, to be able to collaborate with others is make sure that what they're doing makes sense with what you're doing. <laughs> That's really it. Um, so like Shelby was saying, it's really not hard for us to agree on who we reach out to, but not only that, to make it easier, because if y'all remember way back early in the year, we were like, we're going to work smarter, not harder. So we have uh, collaborated with each other to have one uniform email that we send out. And basically, it's just getting that person to... Um, you know, know what we want. We want you to join our podcast. This is what it's about. Take a look here and let us know if you want to do that. And then once they agree to that, we um, send them a podcast release to sign. And once they do that, then we'll have, then, you know, we'll proceed with like booking and telling them all this other information that they need to know. But when you do that, when you have a uniform email, everybody can expect the same thing from you. And that just keeps it professional. And that, you know, opens the door for more collaborations in the future. Like if, you know, somebody that we did interview, they're like, oh yeah, I was on All Things Melanin Podcast. Like they're so professional. They sent me this email. It was simple. It was easy for me to do. You know, we have to keep in mind like how you run your business. It could be, you know, people are talking about that. You don't want them being like, girl, I said I was going to be on a podcast. They never called. I don't know. You know, you want to make sure that you have um, a clean, you know, streamlined way of getting this information to your guests. Um, but then, so Shelby, how would you say that we actually split the work for the guests and, and what we do from there? Yeah, I think just to kind of piggyback of what you said, friend, I think that we have a process for our guests. So just to kind of reiterate um, what we said, we research the guests. That's the first step. We agree on them. That's the second step. We send out the email. We do the podcast release form. And so after they, we have crossed all our T's and dotted all our I's, the next thing that Erica and I do is after everybody, when we see who's agreed to be on the podcast, the next thing that we have to do is we have to write out questions. So let's say like last time we had four people, but only three people ended up being on this season. We split it in two. Erica wrote two sets of questions and she was responsible for getting all that information for the interview. Then I wrote two sets of questions and I was responsible for getting all that information for the interview. We always cross check one another just to make sure that, you know, we're asking all the right questions or to make sure that it's good to go. Erica is really kind of our producer room reaching out to people so a lot of times she will actually send the follow-up email to them letting them know like here are the questions here's what you can expect um wear headphones um and all of that different information, she'll send out the pre-email to them so they can know what to expect. She'll send out the link. And then um, on the day of the interview, after we interview them, I will let them know, okay, you can expect your episode to go live here. Um, we will send you your dra graphics this time. And I think the way that we have just split the work is we just really, really work to each other's strengths. So when reaching out to the guests, Erica does a lot of the pre-work beforehand. I do a lot of the after work. I think us being able to split tasks allows us to eliminate double work. 
eliminate stressing each Mm -hmm. other out. And it just really allows it to flow because we know what is expected of each other. And because we have gotten into that routine, we know what we're supposed to do. Now, there are times, you know, where Erica may not can send out the pre-email, so I'll send it out. Or maybe there are times she can't do the after stuff, so she'll, 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 I'll send it out. So I just think mm-hmm. us being able to be flexible, being able to communicate, but also having this process in line allows us just to be more efficient having guests on because a lot goes out into hearing a guest. Like you hear a guest interview, it's flowing nicely, it's mixed nicely, but you don't know all of the work <laughs> that went into getting that guest mm-hmm. to agree, getting that guest to sign the release reform, and then even conducting the interview because some guests are more talkative than others. You have to bring out more stuff. Mm-hmm. and other guests you have to feel silences and I just think that us that being a goal for us I'm glad that we set a goal for us but it honestly it took us a while to get to this point of having a streamlined process that works for us right and that's all I'm all about efficiency <laughs> so that is the way that it works for us and I think because we have this process in place is going to be a lot more efficient for us going forward as we start to incorporate more guests because like we said we've decided that that's what we want to do because not only do we want to of course share our individual stories but we want to share other black entrepreneur stories we want to have give you guys knowledge and resources and tools from someone else other than us but being able to connect with these people and that's what it's all about that's literally what this journey of building a brand or anything you're trying to do is about so it's making those meaningful connections so that's what i would say on that so how about we keep it moving to our next segment which is the mentor moment so this is when shelby and i will read a listener's letter that was sent over to us and then we will give our advice on it so the letter reads hey shelby and erica i'm feeling stuck and i really need your advice i'm in my late 20s and i feel as if i've accomplished what everyone around me wants me to accomplish i graduated high school top of my class graduated college cum laude and cum laude and every even when went to grad school and did well i got a well-paying job making six figures but i hate it i'm miserable and i'm feeling tired overwhelmed and as if i have no purpose i see people around me and on the internet flourishing and seemingly seemingly walking in their purpose enjoying their lives and can't help but admire them it makes me look at myself and wonder what's my purpose i've accomplished all of these accolades but nothing for myself really How do I go about finding my purpose and feeling more fulfilled within? What I will say, so the first thing that I will say is, I think the first step to realizing that you are not walking your purpose or you're not doing what you want to do is realizing that you're not doing it. I think a lot of people don't admit that and they're not upfront. So kudos to you for that. The second thing that I will say is be weary of, what of how you see people presenting themselves on the internet because a lot of times people will present their best selves and we only get a glimpse into it but we don't know what they're enduring to show you the picture that they're showing you and then to the media question one thing that I will say if you're not happy in a situation or at a job or in your life then you have every right to alter it and to create a new reality. I'm never going to advocate for people just quitting their jobs because, you know, we got to make this money. We got to pay these bills. But 
what I will say is if you don't like your job, then figure out what you do like, what you would, what you would want to do, and then make a plan to transition into a career that will bring you more joy and bring you more happiness. I think that life is too short to work for, to work in a job that you hate. I think life is too short to work and not be fulfilled. I think that you have to get really honest with yourself and just, I would write down everything that brings you joy, brings you happiness. And I would write down what you think your purpose is. I would, if you are a praying woman and a faith based woman, then I would definitely pray on it for God to show you your purpose and what he's called you to do. Because at the end of the day, you can have a lot of accolades, you can have the best grades, graduate from the best college, and you know, have the best job. But if you feel empty within and you're not happy within, then you'll begin to ask yourself, what the what is the point? And so I think that since you're at this point in your life, I think that you have to now transition to thinking, okay, like, I don't like where I am now. But I can create and change my reality. And I think that you should go about creating a plan as to how you're going to get there. And I think that's going to come down to what makes you happy, what brings you joy, what is your, you know, your desired career field, what do you want to do, and how can you continue to make six figures doing it? Because if you can make six figures doing it how you're doing it now, you can make six figures doing it how, you know, in another career field. So I think that you just have to. Get honest about what you want and what makes you happy and then turn that into what you need it to be so that you can be fulfilled and that you can walk in your purpose. What do you think, Bram? Yeah, I think those are great ideas. Um, The first thing that came to mind is I would actually suggest to first get off social media for a few days (laughs) Um, to reset because if you're looking at everyone else on the internet and what they're seemingly doing, that could just put you into a whole depressed mood. So I would really take the time to detox from social media for however long that you feel you need to and get quiet and meditate on where you see your life going. And um, like Shelby was saying, like start writing some things down. I would write things down that interest you things that come easy to you, things that light you up, make you excited, even things that irritate you. Because I feel like sometimes if we name some things that you really, that irritate you, there could be a problem that you can come up with a solution for. You know what I'm saying? So it could be anything. And then write out, you know, your hobbies that you would like to do um, and then things that you enjoy. And then usually you will find how you can incorporate your gifts or talents somewhere within that. Because I honestly believe that your purpose is already within you. You just haven't found it. You haven't developed it yet, but your purpose will find you once you get quiet and get off social media. Don't be worried about what other people are doing. Um, Cause some people could be looking like they flourishing and that's not even a purpose. So, you know, let's not, you know, copy other people. Um, But I just feel like also I think that it is great that you still were able to accomplish all of these things. These are great things that nobody can take from you. And I think that you should be proud of yourself. But I also, you know, don't think that you should stay in in a miserable state. But don't feel like you got to rush your your way into something else. Really take the time to think about it Um, and just, you know, journal, journal it out, meditate on it. And I think that you really it'll come to you once you start really Um, zoning in and really thinking about what brings you happiness. And I think that there's something that you can find. So that would be my um, advice on that. 
So if you guys out there have a question that you want us to answer, send us an email to allthingsmelanintv at gmail.com or slide in our DMs on IG at allthingsmelanin underscore underscore. So we're going to leave you with words of encouragement. So our words of encouragement come from Luke 16, 10. If you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So I really, really like this Bible verse. And a lot of times when I'm praying and wishing and manifesting, working towards something, um, I think of this Bible verse. And let me tell you why. I think this is a reminder that, you know, in life, everybody has different desires. Everybody has different dreams and visions and all of that amazing things. And I think that a lot of times we think that, and I think that everybody has specific gifts and a God-given purpose. And I think that a lot of times we assume that if our gift or if our purpose or our job isn't something big and doesn't draw dramatic attention, then it doesn't matter. And that we don't have to give our all, that we don't have to show up, and that we just don't have to be a good person. But that is false. I think that this Bible verse is a reminder that even if whatever you're doing in life seems like the smallest thing, for instance, let's say God told you to open the door for a hundred people every day at your job, but you're sitting there thinking, this is dumb. This doesn't matter. But what you didn't know is that you smiling, saying good morning, having a good day is helping somebody that's in a horrible situation. And I gave that dramatic story to say that whatever God has led you to do, or even the smallest gesture can have the biggest impact. And that sometimes God sends us to do things that may seem small, but sometimes he has to send you on journeys or missions to do small things, first and foremost, to see if you're going to do what he told you to do. And when he sees that you are going to do when he told you to do that small gesture, that small thing, he's trying to see if you can be faithful in the little things. He's trying to see if you can be faithful and trust him when it's something that's menial. Because if he can't trust you with something that's menial and small, how is he going to trust you with bigger and better and larger things? Because when God calls you to do big things, when he calls you to do large things, when he calls you to speak on stages or to, you know, speak at your job and impact people, however they may be, he needs to be sure that you're going to do what he said. He needs to be sure that you're going to go without a shadow of a doubt. And I think this Bible verse for me is a reminder that in my day-to-day life, even though I do things that may be, be small and menial to me, they're big to God. And when I show God that I'm faithful and that I will do that I would do what he told me to do with the little things that he knows he can trust me with the big things. And when he can trust me with the big things, that's when the floor, that's when the floodgates open. And I think that this is a reminder that you have to walk before you crawl when you're manifesting and praying for things before the big things come. They'll come, but we have to learn how to be faithful in the small things, how to walk in the small things, and how to show God that God, I can do the little things, but when you give me the big but when you give me the big things, it's game time and it's go time. What do you think, friend? Yeah, I agree with everything you said. You just preached me on down. Um, but it, it also reminds me of like 
what I have been trying to tell myself is like, just be excellent where you are. Like, why do you always have to think that you have to be at the next level? Not as if your level is not significant. Be excellent where you are. Like, work diligently as if you're working for God. And sometimes I think when God tests us in these little things, it is a test of our faith, obviously, but also a test of where our heart is. What do we actually want this bigger thing for? Is it for fame, recognition, money? Like, what is the actual purpose? So I think that God uses this for us to to challenge us on, you know, a heart check. Like, a lot of us want to be out here doing things for what? The recognition? Or do you want to do it because you're serving God and you're serving others as he wants you to? So that's what it would mean to me because I struggle with this sometimes. Sometimes I feel like I have no significance here. What am I doing? But that's not true because if you were supposed to be in the larger, you would be in the larger, which you will get there. But um, I think we all have to go through this test of being faithful in the little things. So that's what I would say. Well, you brought us some home, friends. So I'm going to pray us out. Everybody, close your eyes, bow your head, and let you drive and sway with it. Heavenly Father, we come to you as humble as we know how. First and foremost, not to ask you for anything, but to thank you for everything. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for going ahead of us and protecting and keeping us, Lord Jesus. I pray that for every person that's assembled listening to this podcast, Lord Jesus, that you would give them peace about anything that they're worried about or anything that they're stressed about, Lord Jesus. We pray that they would know that you've already worked it out, that it's already handled. We promise, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just protect them we pray that you would keep them we pray that they were that they will remember that they matter that they are enough we pray lord jesus that they would remember to be faithful in the little things so that they can receive the big things lord jesus we pray that you would help them nurture their dreams their visions and their and their passions lord jesus we pray for that person that is on the edge and they don't know what to do, Lord Jesus, or they're, or they're all out of answers. But I pray that they know that you have all the answers and that they come to you, Lord Jesus, that they can be fulfilled, that they can be happy and that they can get what they need. We pray that you would cover everybody that's assembled to listen to this podcast. We pray that you would love them. We pray that you would encourage them and we pray that they would know that you have their back and that you will always be for, there for them, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs>